remember the past, read your copy of the Haven Herald and rev up your attack, man, as we escape to Haven. This is Troubled, a Haven Rewatch podcast. I'm your first host in our father-son podcasting duo, Alex French. And this is Rich French, your co-host. And this is the French who met a fetching uh, DC her- superheroine for Halloween. That didn't work out, so now I'm going back to Marvel. I wonder if Spawn's available. Yeah. Uh, so we're covering <laughs> episode six, Real Estate, from season three. And like every episode, we will be giving a quick summary since at the time of this recording, Haven is not available on any streaming services. For free. For free. Well, so it's only available on Amazon Prime. Um, But we have a winner for our Blu-ray giveaway that we'll be announcing at the end of this episode. His last name is French. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. We didn't uh, win ourselves. All right, so the episode begins kind of your typical haunted house Halloween beginning. Uh, Two teens or young adults, I'm not sure, Tina and Chad enter a haunted house looking for, you know, just, you know, how teens are. Right. They enter the haunted house. Uh, Chad starts, you know, trying to make his move and, uh, you know, on Tina and Tina wants to leave. And then Chad, all of a sudden, uh, couch moves at him of its own volition. And, uh, you know, Tina runs out screaming. Chad's trapped inside. And then we move on to the Haven Herald, where the Teagues are hosting a Halloween party, you know, and most of the crew is there. Duke's there. uh, They're not. Yeah, they're not having like a ton of fun. Duke's spiking the drinks. Meanwhile, Audrey and uh, Claire. Yeah, Audrey and Claire talking and Claire's like, I don't know about this hypnotherapy stuff. And Audrey's like, no, I think we should really keep pushing. She's like, oh, I don't know. Uh, And then that's when Tina comes running in and is like, ah, so. Audrey and Duke go over and she calls Nathan to tell him. Right. And then Nathan says he'll uh, he'll send Tommy to join them as, you know, backup. Right. So Audrey and Duke enter the house. So Audrey and Duke enter the Holloway house. Duke tells Audrey the legend how uh, Roland Holloway disappeared. And then suddenly his wife and daughters disappeared and she wants to know if he killed him, and he's like, no one knows, and there's all this strange shit that happens in the house. Right, and Audrey has a flashback of being Lucy, where she's moving, like, a picture frame on the wall or something. Uh, and when she wakes up, she's like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, Duke's like, well, there's blood, and then they're like, wait, and they find a bloody hand. Sticking out, of a, sh- sticking yeah. out of a shelf uh, on, on the wall. So as they're screaming, like, holy shit, that must be Chad. Uh Outside, Tommy, Claire, and Tina uh, Tina are there, and they come rushing in, going, oh, my God, Chad. Well, because, yeah, they heard over the intercom that they they found Chad, so they thought that was their cue to go in. Even though when they get in there, Audrey's like, I didn't tell you guys to come in. So there's your first kind of instance of tomfoolery with the intercom. And so in the chaos of it all, Duke also goes to check. He's like, all right, well, let's, let's just go. And the front door is gone. And they kind of realize the house is re- rearranging itself and they're trapped inside. Right. And then uh, so after that, Nathan, says, you know, at, at, eight, at uh, Haven Police Department and uh, Jordan comes in, tells him her friends were pleased and gives him a, like a burner phone and then says, hey, you got to buy me a drink. 
So he takes her to a park bench where they're sharing a sixer. And then uh, he's nervous that, uh, you know, Audrey hasn't checked in. So he, uh, he gets a phone call from an unknown number and it's like a garbled version of Audrey's voice. So Nathan has to leave and go check in on Audrey. So now Nathan enters the house. Right. And uh, once they kind of see Chad's body, Tina goes running off and it's just kind of like, you know, there's a lot of like scattering and people going this way, that way. Eventually, uh, you know, Duke and Tommy are together and they hear like a scream or something. They go looking and they find Jordan in the house with Tina's impaled body. Yeah. Impaled on the chandelier. Yeah. Which we'll talk about later. Uh, so they find Tina's impaled body with Jordan standing there in a message. Uh, what did the message say in blood? Was it blood? Yeah, it, it was like in blood. blood. Uh, this is your fault. Yeah, this is your fault. So they're like, Jordan. And uh, <laughs> they're trying to explain it. And Nathan's defending her. Blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, well, yeah, Tommy, Tommy grabs her arm like a knucklehead. And of course, he gets uh, super tased and, you know, slumps to the floor. And why does that make him a knucklehead? We'll get to that later. Yeah, we'll, I don't we'll know talk why about that. Makes that. him a knucklehead. Uh, it's not. It, it, he's not a knucklehead. But we'll, we'll, you, you're, you're right. That's uh, not crossing that. the line. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but then, uh, you know, Nathan defends, like like you said, Nathan Nathan defends her. Says it's not her. She couldn't done it. So, but Tommy does tell her about, hey, we're searching for a serial killer with that same tattoo, and then. Nathan has to explain things to Jordan and that doesn't, doesn't really go well for him. Yeah. He, uh, she gets mad at him and slaps him and walks off. Right. Now- Meanwhile, Audrey and Claire find uh, the room where the women of the house are right. Where, uh- right. They, they, they find the corpses of the mom and the two daughters and Claire and uh, Claire, who by the way is dressed up as like Buffy, the vampire slayer. And she uh, inspects the bodies and finds out that the mom shot the two daughters and then killed herself. So, yeah. And uh, Nathan, right? He talks to Jordan, kind of explains his like position, right? Right. That he's he's kind of explaining that hey, I'm all you know, I'm all in with you guys. It started as an investigation, but you know, I'm in. And like like I said, she didn't buy it and slapped him and kind of yeah. ran off. And meanwhile, uh, Duke and Tommy heard over the intercom Nathan's admission of guilt and uh, or his his uh, his admission his of guilt. O- yeah. Over the uh, prisoner uh, escape. Right. Yeah. And Tommy's like, oh, that's not cool. Uh, no. <laughs> and, they, and they bust they bust Nathan out to uh, Audrey and Claire when they come up. They're, they're, yeah. they're like, uh, hey, we heard Nathan and he's working with the, with the tattoo folks and he helped a prisoner escape. And Audrey's like, no, no, he's just doing an investigation. And even Tommy's like, Hey, I love chief and all, but you know, this seems legit. Yeah. And so then uh, Jordan falls down the stairs. Yeah. Slash, she, slash. she, hear, she hears an intercom and uh, uh, like the intercom phone ringing. Then she goes, goes towards it. And as she's getting really close, a door just swings open, hits her in the back and knocks her down the stairs where she falls unconscious. Right. Unconscious. And, you know, Nathan's like, who did this? Yeah. He, he Nathan, Nate, you know, first Tommy and Who's it? Tommy and Claire. Tommy and Claire find her, but find you know, her. Tommy's like, "Don't touch her, dude." Like, uh, <laughs> he's like, "I learned my lesson." And then, uh, f- fucking uh, Nathan, you know, 
grabs her up all angrily and takes her to another room where he puts her, lies her down on a couch. Right. And meanwhile, Audrey confronts Roland uh, or his spirit or whatever in a mirror where he's like, yeah, this is like your fault. Like you were supposed to fucking save me and you've totally fucked up. So now I'm going to hurt you. And she's like, oh, man. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, he's like, uh, you know, blame. He blames her for what happened to his wife and daughters, you know, and he explains what happened to him, how he, uh, you know, totally uh, restored the house and he got too involved in it. So involved that eventually one day he woke up and his body was gone. And then his wife installed mirrors and speakers to be his eyes and ears. And he brought Audrey there because he wants Audrey to see her friends kill each other. Right. Uh, And so they kind of like leave and they're going to go figure it out, but she wants to initiate another flashback or whatever, right? Through the, the, into the secret room behind the picture. Right. And the the picture uh, unlocks, I should say. Yeah. And Claire's concerned about, once again about the subdural hematomas, but Tommy says, I'll go in with her, you know, and take care of her. And, you know, her and Tommy go in. Tommy and her have a nice moment where he talks about, I know what it's like, you know, trying to get away from your past and yada, yada. So then she has a flashback. And in this flashback, so this is the uh, second flashback. And in this one, she sees herself as, you know, she sees Lucy in the room and it's with the, uh, and she's in there with a with a man named James, and uh, she sees that the bodies are you know they're re- recently dead, and then James is like, "Hey, he'll never let us out if you if you don't help him." And she's like, "He killed them. I'm not going to help him. Matter of fact, he's trapped here, and we're going to make it his prison." And then she and then Audrey comes to and is like, "I think I know how to get out of here." Right. She, well, she's also like, yeah, it's not that I failed to save him. It's that we intentionally trapped him here because he sucks. So meanwhile, everybody else is at each other's throat like this person did this. And everybody's got guns pointed at each other. Uh, yeah, he's uh, got a jo- gun pointed at Jordan. Nathan's got a gun pointed at him, etc. Right. Because and Jordan has Tommy's gun because earlier Tommy had yeah. uh, his gun disappeared and uh, a cord pushes the gun to Jordan on the couch. And then she aims it at Claire first. And then Duke comes yeah. and aims at her. <laughs> Nathan comes in and puts his gun up by Duke's head. Right. right. Everyone's ragging on each other, but then uh, Tommy brings Audrey in and Audrey deescalates the situation by telling everyone what's going on. Hey, Holloway basically is the house and he can manipulate the doors and he's trying to get us uh, to turn against each other. Right. So she's like, let's shoot the mirrors. You know, there's this tense moment. Then they all start shooting the mirrors. Then the house kind of starts freaking out. So like, we got to get out of here. Uh, meanwhile, Vince and Dave had gotten to white and they've been like, where, where's everybody? We want to get on the adventure too. And they find the house and they're like, well, we can't get in. So let's blow a hole in the wall with C4. So they've been preparing a bomb outside with Dwight this whole time. Uh, yeah. And uh you know, Vincent, the, the door stayed open for Vince and Dave and Dave refused to go in. But like, as soon as like Dwight's like, let's go in, the house yeah. didn't uh, w- w- slam the door and wouldn't allow them to participate. Right. So everybody's kind of trying to get out of the house and uh, Nathan kind of stays behind to shoot the last of the mirrors. And he's got to run out and the fucking floor is collapsing. Right. And he jumps up, he jumps over it and a piano cut try, moves to try to hit him. But he dodges them both, gets out of there. Audrey takes the C4 that uh, that Dwight was going to bl- blast the house with, and she throws it into the house. 
and then they they all run by their by the vehicles and they watch the the house oh, explode the fireworks quite right. a halloween so halloween haunted house solved meanwhile back at the police station audrey now that she knew his first name and his face she's able to identify the colorado kid as james cogan right she finds a uh, a missing poster for him and shows it to claire right meanwhile afterwards she talks to nathan and she's like so what's up <laughs> Nathan's yeah, what's like, up? It's fine. It's fine. All right. He's like, I'm, ju- I'm just investigating. And she's like, No, nah, you're helping them. I mean, you know, because you know, and she's like, You could go to jail for that prisoner escape. And then he's like, He's like, Jordan's not, you know, Jordan's like me. She's, she's not bad. And you know, they help the trouble just like we do. And Audrey's like, No, no, they don't help the trouble like we do. But you know, and and she seems, she seems pretty sad. But then she's like, Hey, if you trust her, you know, I'm good. I'm just gonna. You know, I'll check in later. And then, you know, Nathan's all bummed and he's like, uh, so Audrey leaves. And then Nathan uh, meets up with Jordan on the bench. And, you know, she's like, hey, you know, I haven't told the others that you're investigating us. You know, it's not too late to back out. And he's like, "Uh, I'm not backing out. I'm going to catch a serial killer. And then he takes her and head in his hands and starts starts kissing her. She kisses him back. And now Nathan is in. On. Meanwhile, Dwight's putting a, a no trespassing sign over the property of where the house was, and we see kind of some bricks shifting, like like the and like stacking themselves, so like mm-hmm. it was rebuilding itself. And that's real estate. Uh, Haven's obvious Halloween episode. Yeah, we've had Christmas. Now we got Halloween. I uh, can't wait for the Hanukkah episode. The Easter episode. Yeah, maybe Arbor Day, you know, yeah. uh, something in, you know, uh, you know, we had roots already, you know, in season season one. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we uh, had trees. That, that could have been the Arbor Day episode. All right. So what do you give this one? What do you give real estate? Out of 10. As, regarding my rating, I didn't initially like the episode a lot, but after watching it multiple times, because, you know, we had some delays here and there and I ended up watching it probably like four times and, uh, you know, and really honing in on it, I grew to like it a lot more. I think Brian Milliken did a very good job with the writing and the acting was on point for the most part. And we were fortunate that Jason Priestley only directed it. I don't think either one of us could have handled another Chris Brody <laughs> appearance. So I'll talk more about the, the trouble later, but I also I also grew to like that as well. I mean, while it's clearly their Halloween episode, they do also firm up some relationships, reveal some new information, which is which is key. There are a few hokey things we'll talk about later, but you know, I'd have to rate it an eight on the patent pended Frenchel meter. Yeah, I give it the same exact score an eight. I thought it was pretty good. Um, this is a big ass cast to balance, uh, so I think really Duke is the only one who I feel like didn't get moments but it's okay but we've gotten a lot of duke the last handful of episodes so it's fine putting him kind of back in his uh just comedic timing um but pretty much everybody else has like moments right like uh audrey nathan jordan uh claire tommy all kind of have their thing and then dwight dave and vince are kind of i don't know why i inserted dwight in the middle of it i don't know did i start dwight dave i thought for a second i said dave dwight and vince which would be Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, and Mike. <laughs> uh, they're and they're kind of tacked you're not, on. You're not old enough to get the no. new edition reference, so 
for those of you listeners, you know, of uh, older age, you'll appreciate the. You would be shocked. All right. They play, they play new edition a lot during Celtics games. Okay. I listen to more new edition than you'd expect. Yeah. It's because they came out of uh, Roxbury. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw somebody made these uh, cool, you know, like fans will make alternate Jersey designs online. And uh, someone made a, Ro- a Roxbury, like new edition styled uh, alternate jersey for the Celtics, like that we should what, do. Was it made out of Kevlar? Because oh. <laughs> no. I've been to Roxbury once on accident, made a wrong turn, and it was not pleasant. Yeah, so I give it an eight. A uh, lot of cast members to get through and develop the story, uh, like the haunted house. Uh, there's some there's some like little things, but overall, none of the major stuff bugged me whatsoever. I thought there's like details here. Where I'm like, mm-hmm. but overall, I don't think any of the major stuff was really I don't know, did any of it like snack. It was any of it like eh. not not really the, like so not the major stuff. I mean, when I first started watching it, I was like, man, what kind of trouble trouble is this? And then I'm like, you know, so I, I, I guess I guess it's time to talk about the trouble. I mean. I mean, I, like I said, I had a hard time at the beginning, and I truly, truly doubt it was part of the seven years of lore. Uh, Why? <laughs> because this, this is clearly a Halloween episode. It aired on uh, October 26, 2012. So I figured they wanted to do a haunted house episode for the holiday, and they built the trouble around the concept. And I think they did a pretty good job, actually, of building of the trouble, working with the concept and that. I mean, and, uh, you know, and like I said, initially I didn't really buy it, but then I can't, you know, after more thought, I can't buy it. Obsession is such a powerful emotion. And I could see becoming obsessed with your house and it's that you actually become part of the house is pretty, uh, you know, I could, I guess I can see that in a supernatural world and, you know, I, the use of the mirrors and the speakers are cool, a cool tool, tool for, uh, you know, plot, a, a cool plot device for, you know, giving information to other people and being the, the eyes and ears of the, uh, of Roland Holloway. Yeah. I, <clears throat> well, once again, I think we've been having this kind of, uh, this discussion, it seems between, uh, on our viewpoint on what the troubles should be. And it seems like I'm kind of on one side and you're on another. Uh, we're kind of the Dave and Vince of our opinions on the troubles in a sense that, they don't need to be logical to me as long as they feel more like a curse than a superpower. So if it feels illogical, that's okay. But I would, if it feels like a superpower that I don't, I, I don't, I prefer not the superpowers. Like I don't like the weather control, electricity, fire, eh, fire starter. I can kind of go with those ones kind of like, don't bug me, but like, are like, eh, whereas this one's more like curse, cursey. Well, I see. And this one is, uh, you know, this one, you know, is yin and yang because I, I think it is logical, actually, that, you know, so I was saying it, it doesn't definitely have to be curse. I was saying it doesn't right. have to be logical. Not that this one wasn't logical. Uh, like I was just, I just meant like like the kid eating trouble, the child eating trouble didn't bug me as much as it bugged you because I felt like it was cursy enough instead of super powery. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, and it definitely is is a curse, but I don't know. And who knows if it it doesn't have to. What if what if you became really obsessed with like keeping up with his lawnmower? 
you know, maybe his his body <laughs> goes into his like lawnmower instead, right? Like I could see the trouble isn't that you become a house. It's that like whatever he became obsessed with, he like merges with. Right, right. Thank God he didn't develop like a love of uh, Hagen toilets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, toilets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, it's... it's not like a was it Al Bundy was like really particular about the type of toilet like places had. I'm pretty sure. I, I swear that was like an episode where. Oh yeah, because he, he would complain he... about the high toilets. Like, because I level. think he. I think one episode he ordered like this mega yeah. super toilet from Germany. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, the plumber was out uh, at my house uh, yesterday fixing my toilet. So, and, you know, real, real life a- applications. And at Halloween, I dressed as a plumber. All right. So let's talk about the big, the big moment. Uh, the biggest moment, I think, is finding out who the Colorado kid is. Oh, yeah, that's huge. I mean, you know, finding out. Uh, I, I really like the way they did it with uh, Audrey having uh, Lucy's memory, you know, mm-hmm. you know, experiencing uh, Lucy's memories. And I liked how, how how they did it, you know, having them, you know, in the room and then you know, finding out his name's James and then her, you know, pulling out the poster. And now, you know, because that's a, like you said, that is that is the biggest moment because we, you know, this all started with the murder of the Colorado kid. Right. You know, and Audrey. Well, that's not why she went to Haven. Well, it is why she went to Haven, but not the reason she thought at the time. So I thought I, I, th- I thought that was really cool. And it sparked my memories. So now I remember who the hell James, who, who the Colorado kid is. And I remember all of it, not all of that now. We're oh, talking you're, seasons you're, ahead of now. It all came back. You're just like Audrey. Memory flashbacks, just like going through your mind i don't remember uh but i agree that i like this because i was really expecting they would find him in like a newspaper or something like that like oh you know and like you know they're kind of like finding out information via like exposition tools yeah like a like a haven herald article that they missed or uh like a photograph or something so it was nice having like a kind of different type of reveal of the character than we've kind of seen before in this show and other shows uh so i was like oh okay this is nice and it doesn't give you everything at once it's not like oh my god there he is james kogan it was like okay some guy named james like who is this and i mean obviously i do recognize him in the sense i'm like oh okay that there he is there's james like kogan but like you know in the first view you see it you're like oh some guy named james obviously you don't know that the colorado kid is named james at the time so it's kind of this cool like thing and then finding out oh that is him with the wanted poster i guess still like an exposition tool but after the fact missing, po- like, missing poster he's not whatever. wanted yeah. wanted dead or alive <laughs> um uh someone went for dead uh <laughs> that was a supplemental tool to the reveal rather than the main device of the reveal which i thought was good yeah, that was uh, that was really cool. Uh, like I said, I, I think Brian Milliken did a great job with this episode uh, writing it. And I know the the whole writers' room, you know, plays a part in it. So, but you know, he's the one who gets credit, so that's where uh, he's the one credited. Well, so that's where I give the credit to. Well, when you're quarterbacking, you get the credit and the blame. So his name's on it, so he gets the credit. Anyway, um, so we had a pretty big. Uh, 
we had a pretty big guest star in this episode. I was impressed with the casting of Ian Glenn, uh, you know, since, you know, he is Sir Jorah Mormont on Game of Thrones. I mean, that's a pretty big get myself. And, you know, like, especially considering that Game of Thrones started in 20, airing in 2011, and this was in, aired in 2012. So they got themselves a pretty good star. And I think he's awesome. He was awesome in Game of Thrones. And he was in Game of Thrones from season one till the end. I mean. Uh, pretty much to the end, he died on the attack during the attack at Winterfell. For oh wait, I hope that's not a spoiler for uh, anyone. So, but he's great. You know, I one interesting I didn't know about him. He plays Bruce Wayne on Titans. Yeah, yeah, I think I had seen that, which is like, I don't know about that. <laughs> Well, it was, you know, the first two seasons were like on DC Universe streaming, but then the third season premiered on HBO, HBO Max, Max. Yeah. and the fourth and it's been approved for a, a fourth, a fourth season. I'm pretty sure you could probably see season one and two on HBO Max as yeah, well, but they I moved didn't check. It. They moved that and like Doom Patrol over. Um, I watched a couple episodes. Uh, hope I don't offend anyone. I thought it sucked. Thought it just completely sucked. So I didn't watch any further. I watched like four episodes, I think. I'm sure everyone sucked except for Ian Glenn. Yeah. He wasn't in the episodes I saw. Also, I like him. I don't know if he's Bruce Wayne. Well, if he ditches the accent. <laughs> no, but he was really good. I thought he really elevated the vil- like the villain character. Um, it would have been, I think, if they got someone, if it was someone not as good as him, uh, I don't know if they could have pulled off what he did because you know you're kind of like haunted house and and, 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 and you kind of see him in the mirror and he finally starts talking you're like oh this is pretty cool like actually yeah Uh, i thought he kind of sold the concept yeah he sold the concept and you know you could kind of see you know the humanity in 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 the character even though he's a villain you know he yeah he loved his house he loved his family but you know uh, obsess obsessively loved it to the point it became dangerous and it had grim, grim results for his wife and daughters. Yeah. Uh, so I thought he was great. It, it's kind of like the dog episode from this season where it easily could have come off really stupid. Like he became the haunted house. But like, once again, they pull it off uh, like pretty well. Yeah. Uh, what was that? Stay the episode? Stay. I don't remember what it was called. Yeah. But probably. Yeah, you know, and speaking of title, I think real estate's a pretty good title for this one. I, I you know, I don't find it as cheesy as the majority of them. Oh, come on, you did what, 301? You didn't like that? Yeah, that, 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 that took a lot of creativity, that one. Jeez, Double man. Jeopardy? Oh, is, uh, that's, that's the one with the, Lady that's Justice? The, that's the last one we just did was Double yeah, Jeopardy. Le- yeah, Lady Justice, yeah. All right, and as you mentioned before, uh, Jason Priestley directs this episode. Uh, seems like he's a, well, I guess Lockdown was the episode he directed, right? Yeah, Lockdown was a steaming piece of shit. So well, Lockdown, I, 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 don't I don't know, know if, if I can blame him for that. I, I, was, I, I, I don't yeah. know, you know, freaking uh, David Copperfield, you know, couldn't uh, do much with that script. Yeah, it. Uh, I'm not sure really if there was any way to really... St- it save a lot of the stuff that was going on in that episode. Uh, 
including his own appearance as a character. Yeah, that'd have been my, my first thing as director. Was like, oh yeah, you got to cut me out. This <laughs> not gonna happen. This character is insufferable. I can't believe I agreed to play it. Yeah, so I thought uh, I thought it was pretty good. There was a, there was a lot of like movement through the house. Like there was a lot of like I don't know if this is a good thing, but it's kind of one of those like messier episodes uh, where like kind of people are moving around every which way, and you're never like. Like, how do I say that? I've, I've said this before where they have episodes that are just kind of chaotic, but mm-hmm. they get a lot of characters and people are just going here and there. And like the group is constantly changing and rotating around a lot. Um, which yeah, I like, think the, is, like the shapeshifter like episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it's funny you mentioned that. Let's let's talk about that shapeshifter episode. Um, so. <laughs> do you think it was funny that we went back to someone falling down the stairs in the old creepy house that everybody's trapped in like yeah and i was like okay we kind of we already stamped this one on the bingo card haven i don't think uh let's not do falling down the stairs again yeah if uh if it comes up a third time then you know i'm gonna have to take exception take umbrage with uh (laughs) the the writers but yeah that is uh you know it's kind of kind of weak but at least they didn't kill her you know uh, yeah if they killed jordan like that i'd be like oh my god and then like her daughter appears and you're like oh my god um yeah. her, her twin sister uh, yeah. also also named landfill yeah jordan too yeah you, uh, you only you only get that joke if you saw the movie beer fest but landfill well kind of you know you're taking punch away from the joke if you tell them like what it's from oh um, but if, if you haven't seen Beer Fest yet, yeah, I don't know if you're going to. Speaking of which, somehow I have two copies of it on DVD. I can't explain it. Um, just like we have a, we, I currently am holding the set, not in my hand, but I have in my <laughs> possession season two of two Blu ray Haven season twos, one of which will be given away. Anyway, um, but I'm also like I'm also into episodes like this. I think I said this during lockdown. I like when they get trapped in a place and they got to kind of like, uh, you know, explore their way out. I think uh, I do like Agatha Christie. So, like, you know, the first island murder mystery house was with the shapeshifter. It was cool. And this one's not quite the same. It's more like haunted house. And I think I think they're going for more like a, a Salem's Lot tribute. Right. Which I, I like, like pull from your mind the vampire for a minute because like, yeah, Salem's Lot's got like vampires, but I think the main point is like the point of like the house is so evil, right? That's like what draws the, that's why the vampires are even there because right. of how did, evil the house is. Well, speaking of that, did you catch the King reference? Yes. Yeah. Dwight dressed as Roland, right? No, no, no. And uh, Wikipedia, that is uh, not Wikipedia. I'm sorry. The, the wiki, th- that is one hell of a stretch trying to say his outfit was inspired by Dwight's outfit was inspired by the Dark Tower. No. Well, why, what, what, why would you disagree? Uh, that's not how I picture Roland. Or, that's not how you picture Roland. Yeah. Well, that's what matters to me is what yeah. I think. <laughs> But they even have they even have a character named Roland in this episode. They did, they did, and uh, I, now that I'll buy as a reference reference to King. I don't think but, that's enough, but I think if you have a guy dressed like cowboy esque and like in a duster and everything, and then 
a character named Roland. I think maybe that earns you the reference, the the points for the reference. Yeah, but the reference I was talking about. Yes, yes. Literally connects to Salem's Lot. I mean, I know. I was, I was trying to, I was trying to rile you up. Yeah, Marston and Road, where where the Holloway House is in Haven, and Salem's Lot, the house is the Marston House. So, and uh, be honest with you, I didn't catch it at first. No, me neither. Um, so, thank you, Wiki. Uh, but yeah, I did kind of think like, okay, this house is like, in the same way uh, that one episode was a tribute to Love Machine was a tribute to uh, Maximum, <laughs> Maximum Overdrive. I think this one's kind of a tribute to yeah, Salem's Lot. Well, and they've I, I, I can't remember which episodes. I know at least one time before they've mentioned Marston Road in, in, in an episode. So, I mean, I'm not going to rewatch every episode to pinpoint exactly where it, it occurred. But I, I know I recall hearing it in one of the other episodes. Speaking about, you know, haunted houses, who doesn't love secret rooms you know right you know like bookcase doorways secret rooms yeah. those are pretty i wish i had one in my house i really do so I, I could hide away from the cat so like earlier in our recordings you've been in earlier episodes of the podcast you were saying that you like no tommy's a corrupt cop but i don't know he didn't seem too cool with nathan's corruption no he he didn't but you know hey you know you know that, Hello, pot. This is kettle. I mean, we, a lot of people are like that. They're hypocritical. So I think Tommy has the ability to be hypocritical. I still like Tommy. I don't know. He's a, he's a pretty straight shooter. I don't know. I don't know. Kind of says what he thinks. You know, he he hasn't hit anything. He fucking oh, uh, yeah. to that girl. You know, a body. Yeah, he he hit a body <laughs> in a grave. Yeah. Well, that's and, assuming. Uh, <laughs> well, we don't know what that. That well, what we were hinted at is that that was a hitman coming for him. So. Never know. That seems like it's a bad guy. Yeah the uh, the, the next two episodes will uh, clear up a lot of stuff, you know, on that topic. Mm-hmm. But but speaking of Tommy, what did you think about Tommy's uh, you know firearm practices there in the hallway? You know, What's setting the gun down on the table? Yeah. Really, really? Uh, you know, you're a cop. You're going to set your gun down on a on a table, and you know, and granted a haunted house. Yeah, no, I don't buy it. I, I didn't fast and loose with the rules. You, you're saying he's a renegade cop. The wild Buchanan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're saying he's a he's a rogue cop. So you know he plays plays fast and loose. And if you you don't get the Buchanan reference, that's from Clone High. So, which I used to actually watch with Alex when he was in in school. Still, back in the day. Speaking of which, I wish they would uh, reboot that or uh, that was a great show. But yeah, okay. I just found Tommy's firearm practices. Yeah, I just didn't think no, that I mean, was they're pretty very, bad. Very plausible, you know. <laughs> and then uh, it's kind of, I don't want to you know, get too far afield here, but I, I like the costumes at the beginning. I, I like that, you know, I liked Claire's uh, Buffy the Vampire homage. That was pretty cool. But what do you think about the Teague's costumes for Hall- Halloween? What were they again? They dressed up as reporters. That's right. That's right. I was kind of like, what? Uh, <laughs> I kind of wasn't like paying attention too much to their scenes because like they just they, weren't really 
they didn't anything. They didn't add really any value to it. I mean, they're just like, oh, we need to go find out. Like nobody trusts us anymore. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm kind of done listening to you guys. <laughs> Though I did enjoy the exchange between Dave and Dwight when they uh, uh, when they were talking about how they can get into the house, you know, yeah. Dave's like, we're going to need something big. And he, you got any C4? And Dwight's like, he, you, you want to make a bomb? And Dave's like, yeah. And he, Dwight just has this smile. It's like he's almost giddy he gets to make a bomb. And I <laughs> like that because uh, I think that's cool. I, I hate to say I'd like to make a bomb but not hurt anybody, but just like, oh, blow ups. You know, I used to be artillery when I first joined the Army, so I fired cannons. So, you know, obviously, I like explosions, but usually very far away from me. <laughs> So he had a giant cannon tattoo on his chest, guys. It's in the small of the back, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was a fun little moment. I was like, we haven't seen Dwight in a long time. Yeah, it's been uh, a while. So it's kind of interesting. They just comes back for the tiniest role and barely <laughs> says anything. Or it's like, well, where the fuck have you been this whole time? Shit's kind of been on fire lately. Well, he was out, uh, you know, stocking up on C4. So yeah. Uh, you know, he was buying his uh, Roland Deschain costume. Yeah, and he had to head over to the Target out of town. Yeah. But I mean, that's a that's a solution to taking care of a haunted house. Blow it up. Uh, you'd like to see that kind of in more movies, where it's uh, you know, there's a haunted house, and they're like, well, I guess we'll just leave it for the next person to buy it. It's like, how about you go fucking burn it, burn it down, blow it up, right? Yeah. yeah. But apparently yeah, that, that doesn't work because it's going to rebuild itself. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a very special house. I mean, how could a house with no limbs, you know, be able to impale someone on top of a chandelier? Okay, so what's your you got you got a you got a problem with the impale the impaling? I, I just I found it fucking ridiculous. I really did. How did how could the house do that? I could see kind of shifting the walls and trapping fucking uh, uh, Chad. I can see that. But okay, on. well, so it moved that cord to push the gun to Jordan, right? Also looked fucking ridiculous. Okay, okay, well, so so who cares if it looks ridiculous for a second? Let's just talk about the logistics <laughs> of it. So if it could move a cord like that, what if it could like lower the chandelier and kind of swing into her from behind or something and pale her? You know what I and mean? And then raise back up. Yeah. Or, you know, knock her, hit her with a door, and she goes flying through there. Yeah, yeah, it's very good with hit, hitting people with doors. So it hits her in the back <laughs> with the door, and then she falls on the uh, his, the chandelier that has lowered to the ground. Yeah. Is impaled, and then it raises her back up. Oh, uh, I guess. it's Yeah, I don't know. It could happen. <laughs> yeah, you never yeah. know. It could happen to you. You guys need to get <laughs> chandelier insurance. I have a couple. I have a few hanging lights. Yeah. Yeah, I have a chandelier. I have a chandelier. My dining room. Yeah, but what you really need is a candelabra. Yeah. <laughs> but and then you can use it as a blunt, a blunt force weapon too, if necessary for home defense. Uh, speaking of the chandelier scene, I think the funny part too is like when they come up and they're like Jordan. She must have done like what? <laughs> like once okay, so like the logistics of impaling someone, would you like because what did she say? What was her joke? Like, yeah, like sorry, I don't have the fucking toss impale people on chandeliers trouble. Something like that. I can't remember exactly what she said. Yeah, I can't I can't remember yeah. the ex the exact phrasing. It was something like that. And uh it was I was kind of like, Yeah, what did you guys think? You think she fucking tossed this girl onto the chandelier? 
All right. So what do they think? Did they think Jordan did what we just talked about? Like she lowered the chandelier, pushed Tina onto it, and then fucking raised it back up or something, or grabbed her and threw her. Or maybe it was like a like a seesaw situation. She set up like a board, like on a fulcrum or whatever, and then jumped on one end and launched Tina into the air. Yeah. I don't know so why they possibly could be like Jordan? Ah. Oh. Well, like, first. What? She, she put a rake by the door, so uh, she steps on the rake and hits her head. She stumbles onto the other end of the fulcrum, and yeah. then Jordan jumps on it, launches her. She lands perfectly and is impaled. Impaled, yeah. Uh, the three stooges, n- Jordan, Tina, and the house, right, Roland. Uh, yeah, I give it a 9.8 on degree of difficulty. Yeah. yeah, pretty impressive, honestly. So I just don't know why they were like, oh, you. It's like, oh. She tortured a man like, OK, well, that this is relevant information, but not relevant to the situation. Well, then Tommy, Tommy's like, hey, we're looking for a serial killer with that tattoo. <laughs> and then let me grab your arm. And uh, and he does. He, get, he gets super tased. But uh, what did you think about his, you know, the, the level of being tased that he experienced? I guess it wasn't quite enough for me. Like, no, no. Like, eh. Okay, the, the first two cops she she t- she hand tases at the you know at the Dixie boy. Yeah. They're on the ground convulsing and spasming, and Tommy kind of just slinks to the ground in a sitting position, and he's still talking. And uh, <laughs> I mean, he's just tough. On. He's tough like that. I'm a Boston uh, detective. It was the leather jacket, all right. The leather jacket took most of the the, the brunt of the hit. Okay, I don't think he had the leather jacket. No, I'm on just at kidding. That point. Um, I think he had like a sweater. He had rubber-soled shoes that served yeah, as yeah. grounds for, yeah, I just, I, I'm just like, if it's going to be that bad, I mean, because, you know, Tommy, you know, raises a good point. We're looking for a serial killer with that tattoo. That, Is it a good point, legit. though? The chief has that tattoo. Yeah. Well, I'm like, well, this chief engineered a prison break and has the tattoo. So maybe uh, he's oh, the killer. Wait, also our police department, like, cleaner guy uh our wwe superstars also got doesn't dwight or did dwight never get the tattoo dwight doesn't have the tattoo oh sorry sorry he's just been walking under the bulletproof vest that has that symbol on it (laughs) Um, and like half the town has that tattoo and it's on every gravestone i'd be like i don't know if that's like a great enough indicator to be like you're the serial killer you got the tattoo that it seems like a lot of people have yeah that yeah well Two out of every three people has this tattoo, but Jordan, you're the serial killer. Who else could throw a body up on top of a chandelier? It'd be like investigating the NFL and being like somebody with a barbed wire or somebody with a tribal band tattoo. And it'd be like, well, that's like half these guys. That's like every lineman. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, the, the how he got like hit with the pain wasn't uh, wasn't quite enough. Uh, I didn't think he was a knucklehead for grabbing her. No, 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 no. Yeah, he's lucky he didn't pistol whip her. He's he's a knucklehead based on things we know that he doesn't know. So you're right; it's inappropriate to call him a knucklehead for that. So you know, you better apologize to Tommy. (laughs) Tommy, I am deeply sorry, and if I have offended you in any way, please go to our Patreon site and become a member. (laughs) We're big fans. uh, <laughs> I think he's good, actually. I, uh, I, I think yeah, Tom, Tommy brings something like different. Like I said, I, I think he just got a different vibe than every pretty much a lot of the other all the main characters and a lot of the guest stars. 
Um, he for sure has more charisma than like Lucchese. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this towel I'm holding has more charisma than Lucchese. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right, so, so uh, another thing, since we're talking about Jordan, so apparently Jordan has free reign to go wherever she wants in the Haven Police Department. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've I been over this before. Everybody can come in at will wherever they want. I think Stan's supposed to be controlling this shit, and I think he's doing a piss poor job. But then again, he couldn't because he was at the Halloween party. So, okay, I'm going to give Stan a pass. Also, remember, Stan, uh, this didn't make it into the episode. This is some extras that we heard in the commentaries that Stan was supposed to turn out to be a turncoat for uh, the The rev. Rev. So maybe he resents the chief and he's like, you know what, guys, let anyone in anyone like, in hopefully one of them shoots this fucking troubled prick that's been in charge yeah you know speaking of which uh you know haven pd in nathan's office he's got a nice framed <laughs> picture of the chief on the wall i like that i thought that was pretty cool <laughs> i thought you were gonna reference his funny like uh you know his conspiracy board he's got going on in the disguise where he just <laughs> i was gonna that, mention that that like that thin was piece up. of paper over it i was like oh uh like is that that looks pretty stupid. <laughs> cause yeah, like cause season two was our conspiracy board season, but uh we got a new we, one. We got a new one now. Yeah, I'm like they they must really like that concept. Yeah. And then again, who doesn't like, like a good conspiracy board? Hey, I love whiteboarding, you know, and you know, and writing things out on the butcher block paper, you know, especially the the ones you can stick to the wall. Those those are great. What about chalkboard? How do you feel about chalkboards? I do not like chalkboards. Do not. I don't like the sound. I don't like the smell. Yeah, I don't like uh, the feel of dragging chalk on a chalkboard. Ugh, just ugh. bugs me. Yeah. It's like when you accidentally. Chalk. It's like when you accidentally grind your teeth on something. Yeah. Ugh. Yuck. So. Yeah. No chalk. Yeah. Uh, you know, dude, what's up with Nathan at the park bench? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of scat- scattered here, but no, we're uh, fine. We're, we're kind of yeah. on a Nathan. We're in, we're in the Nathan realm. Right now we were Ooh. in Jordan Town. Now we're in Nathan Nathan World. Nathanville. Yeah. Yeah. Nathan, good old uh, dude. He just leaves his six pack on the bench. I mean, he he just runs off to the house and leaves Jordan with his six pack. You don't hey. want to fucking bring in the car. You can't like. Well, you know, you're that... not the open one. You you bring the closed ones. You're like, hey, you know. Well, now you know. What if he gets pulled over? He's got a bit of beer in his breath. The cop looks over. There's you know. There's uh, three beers left in the six pack, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, and what if four. he gets tempted on the on the road? You know, now nah, there's probably only three. Jordan took one out. She's like, yeah, I'm going to hang on to another one. Just, you know. <laughs> Yo, you, you think so? You think so? She's that I type, mean, you know, that's like, oh, uh, you know, you're not going to drink. It's probably not good for you to drink all these. Yeah. I'll, I'll hang on to one of them. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm from Milwaukee. I'm not leaving my beer behind. That's for sure. And this is, ma- well, how much does he make? You know, what's that chief salary? In Haven, yeah, you know, it's it's probably really bad. It was like, uh, you know, generic light beer, right? He's just like, oh fuck it, she can have it. <laughs> Addy Light, <laughs> was, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you know, whatever. Milwaukee's the... best. Oh, I. No, you can't. Don't defend no, it. No, but I don't think it's as bad as Natty Light. But uh... <clears throat> uh, I mean, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've drank either. But they both tasted like complete, just like piss water. Piss, yeah, uh, I from agree. what I remember. I have toured. I, I didn't pronounce that right. I have toured the uh, Miller Brewery, and uh, turns out Milwaukee Best 
is part of the Miller High Life batch that doesn't meet the quality standard. And they just say, yeah. Well, we don't want to waste it. Let's sell it to, <laughs> sell it to folks who can't afford more, better than this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was funny. We did the tour. I was 18 and my roommate was uh, 19 at the time. And we, you know, and at the end of the tour, you get, you, they take you to the tasting room. And then they're like, uh, you know, when they're like, well, what Miller product do you want? And all of that. And then he came to us and he's like, hey, uh, for you guys, I got a special dark lager. And I was like, and we we're young and we we're like, dad, it's awesome. We're going to get some special dark lager. And then he comes up. Yeah. Hey, boys, I call it Pepsi. <laughs> we were so bummed. Yeah. But it is it is funny. Yeah. yeah. Joe Venus. Uh, rest in peace, my brother. Hey, what do you think of uh, Tommy roasting Duke's out- outfit and saying he's dressed up for Halloween as Jack Sparrow? Well, number one, Duke dresses like that every day. Like, so yeah. it's like, eh. but it's pretty funny. I still was laughing. Tommy, you know, he sold it. I, la- I Yeah, Tommy sold it. I laughed at it. I thought it was pretty good. And I think Tommy dresses pretty, you know, I wouldn't say flashy, but he's got a good style. I mean, mm-hmm. like, like. Like the other episode, he's wearing like a maroon sweater. So he's got a maroon fedora that matches. I like that. You know, it's kind of, I like the way it coordinates. It's not wrong with little fashion. Nathan was dressing up, you know, this episode, nothing fancy, but. Do you think, do you think Tommy went to like the clothes or hat store or whatever the boutique and Dave and Vince were there, you know. Uh, Cheering them on, kind of telling them which one they're like, yeah. Throwing new hats over. Huh? Like, <laughs> yeah, and it turns out it's just two hats going back and forth over and over. <laughs> well, now there's like a blue sweater and a you know, like a tan hat, and they're kind of trying all these different combinations. And uh, Dave is like, well, even though I sounded creepy, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, oh, I don't think <laughs> you I don't ever... think they do that for every new law officer that comes in that joins the Haven PD. It's like, like a uh, dumb and dumber. Well, let's go, Cinderella, we got to get you ready for the ball. Yeah, I'm, they got Tommy ready. That, that was my Harry Dunn for those who. Once again, you can't tell them the movie, you know? You just throw the reference out there, and they'll, if they catch it, then they'll feel like, hey, I got that. And if they don't, they'll feel like an idiot. Is what I try to do every every episode. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mostly <laughs> just by making them feel like an idiot because they like, I listen to that whole thing. Yeah, and your life is better for it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sponsored by Tommy, guys. You know, they spent a little budget on the music, man. They got, uh, you know, playing uh, Reunited by Peaches and Herb at uh, the, you know, during that uh, beginning sequence in the the Holloway house with the kids. I had no idea who that song was by. Oh, God. I remember remember it from when I was a kid. I've I've seen Peaches and Herb perform that on Solid Gold, which was a (laughs) a music show from the (laughs) early, early 80s. Yeah, we know what Solid Gold is. If you and listen I, to Solid Gold, you probably didn't have a life. That's one of my favorite. I like one of my favorite Keenan moments from SNL. Yeah, they did was, like a Solid Gold, like a it was like a like an infomercial for Solid or Solid Gold, like DVD collection or something. And one of uh, Keenan's quotes is, "If you if you <laughs> if you love Solid Gold, <laughs> you probably didn't have a life." <laughs> oh, and the Solid Gold dancers. One second, I got to get a soda. I'm getting a little hoarse. And <clears throat> oh, I still have some left. Sorry. I had to sing Solid Gold in uh, was it seventh grade, I think, for choir. 
Wow, that's uh... <coughs> wow. I don't remember that because uh, I, I remember because I didn't know what solid gold was when we were fucking singing until like <laughs> you told me. Oh man, it was the most eighties of eighties music shows ever. Was but... it eighties or like did it have that kind of late seventies feel to it still? It's like in my mind, it feels like late seventies, like that kind of the first years of a decade always feel like still attached to the previous decade. You know, yeah, two thousand two still feels like ninety nine. Yeah, it was very seventies like, but it was starting the transition from the seventies. So that's why I say early eighties because there was elements of the seventies. I mean, the, the the fucking cheesiness and the bad dancing, even though. The bad dancing continued through the 80s. I mean, with, you know, movie fame and, you know, where, where you know, art school kids uh, break out dancing on, on traf- cars and traffic in New York. I mean, shit like that. But it was very Bacon 80s. dancing in a farm. Yeah, dancing like a, in a, farm. a barn. Sorry to get out his frustration. Yeah, Footloose, right. You know, or the, you know, e- evil John Lithgow, the <laughs> pastor who won't let people dance and. You know, they did a really good spoof of that in the 80s on Saturday on SNL as well. They called it footless. <laughs> no one had feet in the town. And uh, oh, it was, yeah. I remember Tim Kaczynski being like, uh, I got my feet back. I had to walk all the way to China just to get my feet back. It was just like one of the craziest episodes, you know, I'd, I'd seen in the 80s. But back to Peaches and Herb. I, I always remember, I even remember the video for the song because, uh, uh, Herb had like pieces of aluminum foil like in in his his hair. Like That's it was weird. just real, it was just I was like, what is that about? You know, <laughs> you know. Dude, I'm I'm sad he didn't have a shirt that said the captain on it. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that, yeah. that was a hit song. But then you know, and of course, while we're talking about that scene, you know, Chad of course is wearing his farmer hat with a pot leaf on it. <laughs> you know, which is you know pretty cliche but high school kid i can see it i can see it and you know and then they list tina they list her as tina tea garden dude she is clearly dressing up as bo peep little bo peep come on she's even got the little little bo peep you know shepherd's crook what do you mean what do you what what are you saying they they have her listed as tina tea garden right yeah well, that's but just the character's last name. I don't think it's a reference to what her costume is. Oh, her her last name is Tea Garden. Yeah. No. There's no. Uh, there's a lot there's a last names. Yeah, Tea Garden's a fucking last name. Really? Yeah. I'm John. This is John T. Tea Garden, Esquire, attorney at law. I don't. I don't know. I thought they were trying to be cheap on, you know, on there's the a guy of- named Weldon Leo Teagarden. Okay. Uh, okay. Google says I text, I typed in, uh, there's a people also ask is Teagarden a real last name? Teagarden is an English surname. You may refer to Charlie Teagarden, an American jazz trumpeter, brother of Jack Teagarden. Oh, uh, no. American jazz trombonist and singer. Okay. So what nationality is Teagarden? It's German, North German and Dutch. Teagarden. Mm, okay. All right. So I, I like stand beer, corrected. It's like a beer garden, but for tea. I stand corrected, and I, you know, will accept admonishment from you <laughs> listeners via In the Tea Garden uh, Dynasty. 
I will accept your admonishments through emailing us or through hit us up on the Twitter. And, and we've uh, now lost our tea garden sponsorship. So thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was working on it with Snapple and it was. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Obviously she was a little Bo Peep. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Do you think they were doing some like great value version of little Bo yes, Peep? Like that is exactly what I thought they were doing. Like, like, tea uh, garden was like, they're like, like we don't, well, we have to have pay the right. rights for little, little Bo Peep. I mean, who would be the rights holder? Does anyone have the rights to Little Bo Peep? I mean, I mean, that was written what you know, so long ago. I think it would be uh, you know, in the, the free domain, right? Yeah, I mean, Toy Story. I don't think has to pay for using it. But I was wrong. I admitted it. I'll take the admonishments, you know. But I feel nothing, just like Nathan when Jordan slapped him. Nothing. Yeah, I wonder what that sensation is getting slapped without the sense of touch. Okay, just a couple of quick things that I, that that I really liked was, you know, I, I mentioned I liked the ending, how it was, uh, you know, I thought it was pretty good for a Halloween episode. I also liked, uh, you know, the, the acting by Audrey, uh, by Emily and Lucas kind of in that last scene together. I thought that was really, you know, an emotional scene. I thought they, I thought they nailed it out of the park. And, uh, you know, I, I liked the scene where Nate, you know, they escaped from the house. I thought that was probably the best action sequence in, you know, probably in one of the, maybe in the whole series. I mean, it was like a action film style and it, and they, I thought they pulled it off, but what do you think about all the shooting of the, of the mirrors? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially like when Nathan's going at it, I'm like, he's got the, the a gun Wu. in each hand. <laughs> I, I was like hard boiled. He's going all hard boiled though. Though Nathan is cool. He's never will be as cool as tequila. So uh, who could be though? No, no one could be, you know, did you wonder if they were ever going to run out of rounds? Not that universe. They don't, you know, in, in Haven or in John Woo movies. Oh, in Haven. Yeah. We know in John Woo movies, you never have have to reload. He's got the infinite ammo setting. Uh, The The continuous clip. I like to call it. Well, I think like, yeah, maybe they could have made it more exciting by they run out of ammo and then he starts like, you know, throws the gun at it, you know, and then like has to pick up something, you know, off a table and throw it. Yeah. You know, like a fireplace poker, you know, and you're just thinking a gramophone. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, (laughs) it could have it it could have been. I mean, and and then like or or he starts throwing records, you know, he starts picking up records and just Frisbee, you know, throwing them like Uh, like Shaun of the Dead style. (laughs) That would be cool. You know, and then I, I already mentioned the the cord pushing the the gun to Jordan on the couch. Yeah. But then when Jordan aims it at Claire and goes, "What's up, Doc?" I, I just it was almost painful for me to hear that. I was just. They're not a, a huge Bugs fan anyway, right? I am a big Bugs Bunny fan. Is one but, of my favorites. But he's not your favorite character. Well, In those, uh, it's Daffy. 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 Well, Daffy's got the best cartoon episode ever when he's competing with uh bugs and they're doing like vaudeville shows and uh and then whatever the crowd's always loving bugs more than daffy then finally daffy's like i got one i've got one that you cannot top so he i can't remember exactly i think he's like gasoline and he burns himself 
and then he like blows into, himself up blows like. himself up and then he turns into a ghost and he's floating and then uh bugs is like you're right daffy you got me i could never top that and he's like yeah unfortunately i can only do that one once yeah <laughs> i thought that was a really cool one okay that I, that's really that, that's really all i the good I thing have. about this house is they can pull that trick a couple times since it's rebuilding itself to, yeah since it's rebuilding itself exactly maybe so. every halloween they show up with a brick of c4 and just toss it in <laughs> yeah and, and like uh, uh the, the last thing i'll say is i really liked how lucy was like no holloway you know you killed your daughters i'm gonna punish you and then audrey saw it and did the same thing he what he didn't deserve to be helped so did you like that, that was cool do you like that audrey and lucy chose the same thing i almost would have liked if one had done something different than the other yeah uh, but after he started killing people this time i'm like no no yeah I know. I think it would have been nice to have like a differentiator between Lucy and Audrey and the decisions they make instead of like, yeah, that's literally just Audrey, but uh, brunette. Yeah, but the, you know, the, the same core, per, the same person at, at the core, you know, so. Are we sure? I don't know. We don't know. We'll find out about another personality. Maybe that's not true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we've, we've got some things coming up, so. But yeah, that's about it. Like I said, good episode. I give it an eight and it was fun. It was good for Halloween. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we'll talk about, there is a documentary uh, about this episode. We'll talk about that. The Haunting Truth About Haven. What did you think? This is on disc four, right? Disc four of season three. Yes, that is correct. And uh, so I actually enjoyed the documentary quite a bit. And I think it was probably the best behind the scenes uh, or making of segment for the entire series, in my, you know, my opinion. You know, and there's some cool stuff. Like I originally thought Derek was a dick, you know, and he even says it, you know, no one likes AD. to go. Yeah, he's like, no one likes to be an AD when you're in, you know, you don't go to film school to become an AD because everyone thinks you're an asshole and because you have to yell at people and keep people on time. And he really was acting like, like a dick a lot. And it, like, but, but as yeah. time went by, I really actually got to like Derek, you know, and, and, uh, and Jason, Jason was super cool like from the beginning uh, jason mm-hmm. Priestley. so as much as i fucking <laughs> loathe chris brody jason Priestley w- was really cool and i think it would be you know i would want to be directed by him if i you know had the audacity to work in the that industry <laughs> so, but it was really cool i mean it was uh I think it really shows, you know, how hard it is to work in that in, in, that, in that industry. Like you know firsthand because you've worked on crews mm-hmm. for for a while now. So I, but I didn't. So I really got to see how hard they worked, and uh, yeah, it was it was cool. And of course, got a personal connection since you <laughs> are in the industry. So it, it made made me feel like I can understand better what you've you've been doing these past few years and. Uh, and another thing is I always thought executive producers really didn't do shit. I mean, I thought they were just like money people, you know. And, I think it depends uh, on which ones. There's some who like, like on the show I work on, there's executive producers who don't, no one speaks to them. Like they're not, I mean, obviously the, they check in and stuff, but the majority, 99% of like what we do, you know, they're like, all right, whatever, you know, like sounds good. Yeah. I think it's like when you see like a like famous writer, you know, and you know, they get their name like attached as an EP, you know, if they're not in another role. But but getting, you know, coming full circle with that thought, though, is that <laughs> Sean definitely works his ass off and does a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and I've mentioned it many times over many different things. You can really see his love for the show, the cast and the crew. And uh, so, yeah. 
it's obviously once again i'm still a big sean pillar fan and nothing has changed in that <laughs> that regard so i liked it i think it's worth watching myself yeah it's probably the best and it's pretty obvious because they hired a separate documentary crew to do it like you can see the people complaining to them and uh priestly warning them like hey you're gonna get a lot of shit on set like people are gonna not be happy and then we heard it with that cam the camera team uh yeah. that's who that's who that was. i'm pretty sure it was camera it looked like camera um from their gear and like what they carry on them the camera team was giving them shit yeah well i mean right at the beginning it, it opens with you know kind of in black and white and everybody basically saying how they don't have time for the documentary bullshit and uh I mean, and at, you know, Lucas had a pretty funny one in there when Lucas is like, yeah, you'll, you'll ask me what I think about hot dogs and I'll say, I love hot dogs. And <laughs> I was pretty funny. And then like outside of Jason, everyone else was saying, I, I almost wondered if it was like intentional that they were trying to be dicks to the documentary crew. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I was like, a lot of the camera teams I've like ran into aren't hostile like that. They're usually, they think they're the shit and they think they're really cool. But they're normally not they're normally pretty nice to people they're just kind of like really like into themselves uh, yeah well typically you know what i see and then like derek when he's you know in the office t talking to the crew hot like i mentioned how he's like no one you know dreams of being an ad in film school and he's like yeah but, but get the fuck out and like, he's like seriously get the fuck out <laughs> and uh, that didn't seem like to me that seemed like that was legit, real but yeah uh, i don't i mean he just kind of seems like he's got that like mindset that you have to be crusty to be an ad uh which i think is kind of an old like an older men school mentality like you don't a lot of them i run into these days are not like that like they're more um but i think it depends on the level right like on a show like that you kind of can control the pace or it's like bigger shows where there's just too many moving wheels sometimes yeah. it's just like you know you well you can't can you really can't control the pace of some stuff well like uh the thin red line right that you know that obviously it was a book and then a film by terrence malick you know when they basically say there's two types of sergeants the hard ass and then the mother head you know both <laughs> can be both can be effective right and i'll let you guess which one i was when i was in the army the hard ass. no i'm just kidding obviously the mother hen i was a um, mother hen yeah for my soldiers but um yeah, yeah i see kind of like what i see with ADs, I don't know if it's like that as much as it's like there's <laughs> there's ineffective ones. <laughs> and then there's like guys who kind of or I mean, not guys, uh, people who like hold uh, hold too tightly, like and I think it's always this balance between the two, right? You got to kind of let learn, like know when to like let go and let them like, you know, where it feels like maybe they're wasting time, but they're not. And then times where you have to kind of like squeeze the crew a bit like. And I think it's that it's a balance between the two, whereas I don't think like the screaming hotheads, it's just like, it's hard to get the machine moving like that. Um, but, you know, I think sometimes you got to bust out, you know, you got to bust that out, like as a tool in your kit of uh, losing your temper. Right. That was uh, something I, I learned when I, I, for an employer, I worked at a very large nonprofit health insurance plan. And uh, when leadership training, they yeah, actually had something that they didn't teach us in the army, but they did, in the, but not in the same way, but mm -hmm. it was really cool. It's like when you look at your ma your management uh, tool belt, and if the only tool you have is a hammer, everyone looks like a nail. Yeah. So, I mean, and you've heard that, you know, yeah. that's common, but because there are times like even, you know, 
my many years in management, it was, you know, there's times you do have to be a hard ass. Occasionally you'd be like, no, I don't have time to get consensus on this. We have to move forward now. And yeah. So. All right. Yeah. So I, I, I agree that I liked uh, Priestley as well. Um, I thought a moment that was pretty cool of him was when he's talking to the fucking paranormal investigator. Uh, Drew Wilson. Drew Wilson. (laughs) For people who haven't watched, there's a paranormal investigator because the house they're shooting at for real estate is supposedly really haunted. Uh, So they, they, the guy was there kind of giving them a warning of how they should handle this. And like, well, he was worried for them. He he was uh, (laughs) genuinely concerned This Drew Wilson, who apparently was a paranormal investigator uh, connected to the historical society. I'm like, really, (laughs) really? Uh, So I think I thought Priestley was talking to him, kind of asking questions and you could tell, you know, he thought it was total bullshit. But he didn't like really mock the guy to his face or anything. He kind of he gave the camera like the look of like, hey, can you yeah. believe this shit? Uh, but he kind of took the guy, you know, kind of talked to the guy as if it was like, like, oh, OK, all right. All right. Well, thanks. Like, you know, all yeah. that. he didn't really like try to make him feel bad or yeah. which would be fucking hard. Right. It would be hard to not mock this. Yes, guy. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the first thing I thought of when I saw him was ghost facer. This is yeah. a ghost face <laughs> for uh, listeners who aren't familiar with ghost facers. They were like a dorky group of teen paranormal investigators in the, uh, the supernatural series. So, yeah. yeah. One of them was the, uh, one of the worst twins ever in the uh, Euro trip movie. So, yeah. But yeah, this guy was like a ghost facer <laughs> and uh, dude, what about like, like Dave and Vince, uh, they asked him about it and Dave's like, I don't believe in any of that horse shit. Yeah. He, <laughs> He's kind of joking along, you know, and and Richard Donat's having fun with it. And then at the end, he's and then at the end, Dave's just like, "I don't believe in any of that horse shit." With some some kind of malice, you know, some kind yeah. of there was something personal about it. He's just like, "I ah, fuck that." Yeah, he, yeah, that was. And then like uh like what uh, you know, Drew Wilson, uh, Ghostfacer gives uh gives Derek this like uh, cleansing uh, exercise to like cleanse the bad spirits of your body. And then him and Lucas do it outside and it looks like they're doing it seriously. Then at the end, Lucas puts his arm around Derek and just slaps him in the ass. Yeah, and you're like, they were a, mocking it. They were mocking him a, it. Gives him a the good old ass pat. Yeah. There's a lot of assery, you know, behind the scenes with on here. <laughs> a couple cool things was uh, I, I enjoyed Randy from stunts. You know, I mean, first, you know, learning about his uh, rescuing kittens you know i thought that was pretty cool you know as a cat owner and, yeah uh, just his like sissy comment was weird like he's like yeah you know then when i started working out you know i gotta give up that sissy stuff i was like uh all right Randy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but you know like but cool we, that he knows how to sew so like we were talking about earlier you know when I see the chandelier scene, I'm like, that's got to be a dummy up there. But it turns <laughs> out Randy was able to get a purse up there. I think initially he had the actress who was playing a uh, little whole peep, as they called her. And uh, and then eventually it had to be a stunt double, like one of his stunt stunt people. But I thought that's pretty cool. He actually got a real person up there. And like you mentioned, he knows how to sew. So he's pretty, pretty crafty guy. Yeah. Stuff with the cast. Uh, we got to learn about, you know, uh, Emily's dog. surfing we knew about McAllister from before from like a commentary but we got to see him and everything uh eric and his surfing yeah i mean duke duke uh, surfing and uh how his uh he says his whole family surfs and is like eric surfing not duke come on yeah i'm sorry (laughs) sorry 
they, they, yeah, they, yeah. So uh, Eric is surfing and he's telling tales about how his uncles would like come grab him, like you know, and you know, t- you know, take him out surfing, you know, when the waves were right. And then, and then coming back to surfing later, we get a scene where Sean, Eric, Lucas, and even uh, Claire, uh, the, uh, the person who plays Claire, all four of them are out there surfing, which was really cool. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, we got some Ian Glenn interview. We got to hear his real accent. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, well, it's the first time I've played a house. Yeah. I, um, I, I don't think I can do his accent, so I'm not going to try. We had a little bit of Jordan. Uh, sorry, I don't know the actress's name, but she's uh, doing some Kate. drawing. Kate. Kate. And uh, yeah, I was really impressed. I was yeah, like, that was crazy. I was like, Whoa. I thought they were just like bullshit, and they're like, yeah, Kate, Kate can draw. And I was, like, and then when I saw her drawings, I was like, shit, she's really good. Yeah. I was wondering if it was gonna like stay, and then it would like kind of be someone else drawing. <laughs> but then you know she pulls it up, so you're like, oh shit, it was her the whole time. Uh, and then I one more. Oh yeah, yeah. and then for <laughs> Adams halloween costume or they're originally trying to pitch it as like what if he goes as a wrestler i was like i feel like he would hate that <laughs> yeah well and then adam copeland's kind of like oh they told me i'm gonna be a cowboy so i'm wondering am i, am I like uh, woody or eastwood and, uh, and then it was kind of cute when he came up in his uh cowboy outfit and up to lucas and he's like there's a new sheriff in town yeah Foresh- foreshadowing <laughs> um <laughs> yeah yeah i mean just some other f- oh uh Guy plays Tommy. He had some pretty, uh, Dame, is it da- Damien? Dorian. Dorian, Dorian, Dorian. Yeah. And, um, uh, he had some, he had some pretty interesting, like, <laughs> segments. The, you know, going shopping for records was, was cool. And then his, uh, his whole thing about zombies was, uh, pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I really liked that he was shopping for vinyl because uh, I like vinyl as well. And, uh, and it's uh, unfortunately become very freaking expensive. When I first started collecting, I could usually go to a, a Atomic Records on Broadway and get something between a dollar and five dollars. So, but that was really cool. I, uh, so T- Dorian's kind of a, like a hipster. So that's is probably his idea to wear the fedora. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, but I saw his '80s Brooklyn crack zombies uh, <laughs> anecdote was pretty funny because I was like, "Yeah, this isn't a Boston accent. He's very clearly got a thick New York accent, right?" Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was kind of neat that uh, you know, uh, one of the AD, Susie Forth, uh, she actually grew up in Chester. Yeah, and she got to come back home to uh, you know film an episode. That's kind of it's kind of nice, kind of cool. Work, work where you're from, got to be interesting. Yeah, that would be or like the coincidence, right? Being like, wow, what are the odds? Like that they're actually shooting from my little hometown. Yeah, be like someone like, hey, Rich, you could you gonna do a podcast in Oak Creek? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, no, no. Well, then because that's not locations anyway. Uh, yeah. Some other fun crew stuff that uh i don't know if she was i think she'd be probably a second second at the base camp the girl who was to get coffee for all the all the actors she has an antenna on her cell phone do you notice that yeah like it's like 2012 at this time she's got an antenna cell phone still yeah that might be uh you know the 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 haven uh (laughs) you know 
furnished uh, cell phone. Yeah, so it, maybe that's where they they save money on the budget was buying really old cell phones for the crew. Oh, uh, they don't buy you cell phones. <laughs> you got to uh, use your own. There's no company uh, phones. And uh, I have I've talked to Electrics, the guys who work on the lights. I do know it is true they do pee into bottles when they're up top in the condor. That is a very real thing is you take up empty plastic bottles to piss into when you're stuck up there because they always got a guy up there who has to sit up there for eight hours or whatever that does suck I, it was it was pretty good it was obviously like i said done by a different crew than does their normal stuff it's obviously like how they knew mm-hmm. they were going to be treated as kind of this like pain in the ass especially because it, it looks like they didn't really let them into the set too much but like occasionally went in but man, yeah, when you're shooting in tight spots like that, oh my God, like it's horrible, uh, especially not even really like supposed to be doing stuff like that nowadays, right? With like, <laughs> at the, it dates the recording, but uh, the virus is a big deal, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, now I'm like watching, I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of people packed in there. <laughs> and they were packed in because uh, yeah, the, the house, you know, it's, it's a really cool house. It actually did have a, have like a secret uh yeah. secret doorway so it was uh it was a pretty cool another thing that's really impressive about what the crew did when they show you at the beginning what the house looks like but and then what, what we see on film mm-hmm. that was a lot of work you anyway. say that again that was a lot of work yeah so when you see the original house before they move in and you know the film and how bare it is and all of it and then what it ends up being in the episode, I'm impressed. I think that's a lot of it shows how much work went into making that look like it did yeah. for the episode. It was impressive. Yeah. I was like, well, it looked tight in the episode. It didn't look as tight as like it did. And, you know, once you see how it really looks, you're like, oh, like yeah. that is claustrophobic. Yeah, I uh, yeah, that would have. Uh, I don't know if I would have su- succeeded in that environment. Uh, I was like, I've shot in really, really, really tight houses like that before. Um, it sucks. And then everybody's sweating for like 12 hours in there and like the body heat's just building up. So it just stinks. It's hot. You're pissed off. Oh man. Yeah. It's those are, those are really hard days. Hey, that reminds me of sharing a tent with nine other guys in uh, 110 degree heat Somalia. Yeah. Yeah. It would get pretty <laughs> foul in there. Yeah. Film sets are pretty similar. It's pretty gross, but all right. Yeah. That's pretty much all I got on a haunting truth about Haven. Yeah, I could have done without them like showing filming a conference phone and talking to <laughs> Ernst and Dunn, you know. Well, they were they were paying their respects to you know to Brian Milliken. Brian Milliken, yeah. They couldn't even show up though. Season one, you know, they're like, all right, we'll be in all this stuff. Season two, like, we'll still do, still do some commentary. Season three, all they could get was a voicemail from them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're checking out, boys. We're checking yeah, out, trying to cash out. Uh, and they're like, uh, "You guys, when you, Matt, uh, Gabby, you got this. You guys can uh, take care of the rest of the show, right?" Yeah, and I'm like, uh, "We got some wonder, target shopping to do." Yeah, I wonder if they got uh, if they've listened or watched any of their commentaries with with because uh, <laughs> uh, with Matt and uh, Gabby because those are not good commentaries. Wait, so you think? The most they could contribute was a voicemail, but you think they've listened to those commentaries? I don't think so. That's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were probably prepping for their pod, their podcast. Um, yeah. The writer's room. Which we've listened to a bit. Well, uh, there might be some writer's room 
stuff in the future. Not, I don't think a crossover, especially for some of the jokes we make. I don't know if they're going to be like jumping for joy to join our, like for a crossover. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they might not, but it's, uh, we'll talk more about that when we, when we cover it though. But, yeah. Yeah. The writers it's, it, it, it'll discussion. be very interesting. I think for, for you, Alex, I think, I think you'll, uh, even I enjoyed it a bit and I'm not, you know, in the industry. So pretty good. If you had to give it out of 10, would you give this doc, this extra uh, feature doc? I would probably give it an eight. Uh, I would give it an eight. I mean, mm-hmm. it could be a nine, but I didn't really need to lo- know more about, uh, uh McAllister really I thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was kind of forced because you know Emily is like you know the big star. oh what about her guitar and singing though well you know that that was that was kind of neat it was kind of that was kind of neat you know she's clearly you know talented so like I said I did I did enjoy it I, I think it could be you know it could could easily be a nine but it was uh you know I thought they pushed a little too hard on being dicks to the uh to the documentary crew some of that seemed a little contrived but uh but once again it's it's really good it's got some really cool stuff and it's definitely worth your time watching yeah i i would say there's not enough like of like the writing end but it, i mean it's more about like making an episode but it'd be nice to hear more about like the writing process of like a haunted house episode we kind of only focus really on like the crew once like it's in the director's hands and then forward um and then, yeah, like I think you said where some people are, you know, fucking with the crew and like not really taking it like the transport, the transportation guy yeah. is just like, I don't have time for this. That's like, bro. Well, like I said, yes, yeah, still still worth your time to watch, I think. Yeah. All right. And that's it for the haunting truth about Haven. Uh, so our question to everybody was, wh- what is the name of the director to this little documentary called The Haunting Truth About Haven? Uh, the director's name was Kevin A. Frazier, which uh, we had a couple people get back. But our first uh, return on the answer was our listener, Randy Schwartzman. So, Randy, uh, we'll be contacting you for information, but you'll be you just won season two of Haven on Blu-ray. Randy, thanks for participating. Congrats on the on the big win. And uh, hey, let, let us know what you think. Uh, think of the show and. Hilariously, no. the season you want doesn't have <laughs> doesn't actually have the haunting truth about Haven that's on season three. But uh we'll be doing a season three giveaway uh, you know, in the next couple episodes. We'll kind of do it. We kind of did season two in the first half of season three, and now we're gonna do season three's giveaway in the second half of season three. I know, confusing. Too many, too many uses usages of the word season. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of seasoning. Um, uh, over seasoned as they say uh so we'll be sending that to you uh shortly and uh everybody else get ready uh <laughs> rev up your tack vans to try to win season three but i think that is it for us today uh that closes the book on real estate uh or is there like a type of book for you know for real estate like is there like a you know like, like mls the the listing service yeah, yeah, yeah. is it was well, that is there like a book you know like the, there's the white pages or like well they always have those you know real estate agents always have those like uh magazines that they give that they have free by, by like the paper stands at grocery stores like so they have little weekly yeah so they have little magazines with uh their listings in them you know okay well that 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 closes the homeowners weekly uh of this week on real estate uh you can reach us at 
Haven's Troubled on Twitter. That's a capital H and a capital T. Uh, or email us at troubledrewatchpod at gmail.com. We're also on Patreon. We got some bonus episodes. Uh, take a listen to the stand two-parter episode we did. Uh, pretty good, pretty good stuff. Uh, apologies about any sound issues it might have. Uh, <laughs> I know not a high selling point, uh, but that's it for me. I am your first host, Alex French. And this is Rich French. I want to echo Alex's thanks for, for everyone who participated in the, uh, you know, in the contest for the uh, season two Blu-rays and, uh, you know, shout out again to Randy and a shout out to super fan Frank who, uh, and, and the others who participated. And uh, we hope to hear more from folks and have you uh, engage with us on, on the show. And we're as stupid in real life as we are on the podcasts. Yes, yes. Yeah. If you ever did a Zoom call with us, you'd like, okay, first, no video. <laughs> B, maybe, maybe, maybe this wasn't a good idea. You know, but nonetheless, we appreciate you listening. And uh, we hope you uh, return to Haven with us again next week. Or should I say escape to Haven with us next week? And uh, just just have a great week. And uh, most importantly, be safe and never, ever let your troubles get you down. Solid gold.